Hello, Mark Thompson, this is <clears throat> the voice of Yoda I am in many Star Wars audiobooks. Do you or do not listen to Utini? You're listening to The Living Force. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. A Utini podcast. I feel the force. Episode 33. Resistance Reborn Roundtable Part 2. Luminous beings, so we not this crude matter. On this episode, naming our favorite stims and spice, and part two of our Resistance Reborn Roundtable. That's not how the Force works. With your hosts, Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Charles Hankel. The Force is with me, and I am with the Force. Let's go live in three, <laughs> two, one, and go. What if I wasn't ready? I always, have here. A, I always have a split moment of oh. panic right after I hit that go live button. Like, is everything correct? Did I test everything properly? Do I'm everything not sure if I did. We need like a giant whiteboard so you can just check it off every time you do something. Well, I have something of that, that nature. That sounds so satisfying. Something but like a whiteboard? Similar. No. Do an expo no, marker? Not out live. It's all digital. Everything is digital. This is a 21st century, Eric. Did you guys ever have those scented expo markers when you were in elementary school? Mine just smelled like expo yes. markers, which was good enough. I mean, yeah. no, they got the job done. Get yeah, high wrong, off of those. But, <laughs> but, like, the scented markers were such a weird thing because they taught kids to, like, sniff chemicals. They're like, no, nah, guys, like, go yeah. for it. That's probably what... Do they still do that? That's probably why they don't exist anymore. Oh, no way. They don't use... Expo, well, they do use Expo markers now. I use them all the time. But they're not scented anymore because they realize kids were just getting high way younger than they should be. Well, that's fair. It's all that spice. Have we not transitioned to smart boards yet? There are I some mean, classes that I part. teach in that have smart boards. Those things are crazy. Because, like, some people use the smart board, and some people will write on it with marker accidentally and ruin it forever. You know, oh. But you know what I'm going to ruin yeah. forever? The reputation of the Living Force Podcast, episode 33. We are live on this Monday evening. Hello, one and all people that are watching live. People that are listening on Thursday, people that are listening on Friday, people that are listening in 2020. I don't know your life. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and with me, as always, are the doctors. First of all, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. Hello. Thank you for the introduction, as always, sir. Of course. And we also have Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, dude. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Now, full disclosure, we're all a little sleepy, but we're going to make it through. That's true. I'm not sleepy at all. I took stimulants all day. <laughs> me, me and Charles are a little sleepy. Corey is on Qualify stims. that, Corey. <laughs> qualify that? No, I'm just not even going to qualify it. <laughs> you are I'm the studying, I, am stu- I have really bad ADHD, and I am studying for my uh, step three exam to become a doctor from the last test I have to take. And um, I really try not to take stimulant medications, but when I'm studying for like 14 hours a day, I do because I can't focus to read more than just a sentence. So... Here I am, high on drugs, out of my mind. Not really. I took them at 8 a.m., so I'm just going to talk really fast this entire episode. It's going to be the best. That's why Charles is going to be in charge. That's but right. before that happens, guys, um, this is our part two of our Resistance Reborn roundtable episode. If you haven't listened to part one, pause this episode now. Go one episode back in the feed. Check that out because you'll get a lot of foundational stuff about the book. That's where we gave our initial ratings. We talked about the characters in Resistance Reborn. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the overall big questions of the book and all things like that. But before that, we got some news, boys. Uh, On Wednesday last, or a week ago, if you're listening to this in audio, 
we got kind of a surprise announcement dropped on us at the Star Wars show, which is there's a new freaking book coming out next month, next year we didn't know about, which is Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. That's right, y'all. The Queen's Shadow prequel is coming. This yeah. was awesome. This was crazy. I'm, I'm like strangely excited for this book, seeing how we like, you know, it wasn't really any secret that we didn't absolutely love Queen Shadow. It wasn't our favorite book. You loved it, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I had a really good time with it. And it, and it's definitely been one of those uh, more controversial ones, but not one that I ever thought was going to get like another, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't like a series book. Really surprising. I wonder if that was always the plan. I don't know, because it's also, as we said, it's a prequel to Queen Shadow. So it's not continuing the story in the epilogue that actually a lot of people loved, especially I know Meg Dowell and our team rode real hard for that epilogue. Um, but it's going before Phantom Menace. Yeah. Which I think Just is a cool look. So, uh, for the full press release on Queen's Pearl, we put up an article on utini.com, uh, detailing things they said in the Star Wars show. There's a link to an interview with author E.K. Johnston. But what you gotta know is Queen's Pearl is at this point coming out May 5th, 2020. And we got a little perk related to that. Completely unintentional, but... Last episode, we said that if we get to $200 a month on Patreon, we will redo our infamous Queen's Shadow Roundtable, which got deleted twice in audio format. For the full rundown, head over to Patreon. Corey did a real cool write-up about it. Uh, But if we get to $200 a month, we're currently at $181, so it's very doable. We will all reread that book and redo a complete two-part roundtable episode in honor of of Queen's Peril coming out in May. Two part. Oh right. yeah. I Maybe said it now. Two part. I said it oh now. Oh my god, we have to do a two part. All right. Well, let's do it. 2020 Queen Shadow, it's coming. If we lose <laughs> the think... audio again for either <laughs> one of those episodes, I'm not podcasting with you guys anymore. I'm just Ever done, again. right? We're just done with that. No more Star Wars. Star Wars is canceled. We can't do it anymore. It's Queen's Peril is either going to break the curse or double down on it. <laughs> And I don't know which one scares me more. I don't know. Something like that. We're close, though. We're close, though. We only need 19 more bucks, and we will do that. Absolutely. So if that's something you want to see, head over to patreon.com slash utini. There it is. Uh, Check that out. Real quick, before we go any further, a quick shout-out to our friends in the chat. I'm looking over. I'm seeing Adam Dyson. I'm seeing Andrew Bell, Meg Dow, Mr. Rez, Ross Orlando, and Royal Farm Boy all hanging out. Hi, everybody. Good to see you all. You're all lovely. I hope you're having a great Monday. Mondays are hard. But we're here. Couple other things before we dive back into Resistance Reborn. We got a new review on iTunes. And guys, this was this was one of those like makes your day kind of things. Right? Um if you haven't seen on iTunes, you can review your favorite podcast. You can give them all five stars, one star, whatever you want. But this week we got a new review from a user named Megan Nine, and she wrote thus five stars. This is the exact podcast missing from my fandom podcast experience. I just found this podcast this afternoon and binged through four episodes. What a delight to listen to discussions about books I'm reading and enjoying and feel part of a conversation. And it's such a breath of fresh air hearing this amount of love and positivity from male fans. I'd give this podcast 10 stars if that were possible. Thank you. Well, thank you, Megan. That's awesome. I love the I'm iTunes so reviews. People that write the iTunes reviews always do like the best job of leaving reviews for Utini, and it makes me really happy every time I see one. It's so cool. I love it. It is, ah, just makes me so happy. Uh, so thank you. Thank you endlessly, Megan. 
But of course, those weren't the only reviews we got this week because we got a couple more book reviews over on Utini. Again, a reminder, if you go to utini.com, find a book that you read, you can scroll down to the bottom of its book profile, leave a star rating, and a couple words about it. So we wanted to highlight a couple of those. Uh, a user named Robert N. reviewed both Master and Apprentice and Thrawn. Of uh, Master and Apprentice, he said, uh, All those classic Star Wars elements are there, but at its core, this was a story about Qui-Gon, his relationship with a priggish and touchy young Obi-Wan, and also the Echoes of his own relationship with his Jedi Master Dooku before he left the Order behind and succumbed entirely to the temptations of the dark side. As with all Claudia Gray Star Wars books, highly recommended. Pretty controversial there, saying Master Apprentice is good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Not not one of our top books at all. <sighs> um, although, speaking of top books, Corey, uh, Thrawn, I know, is one of your favorites. You've written hard for that book forever. That's right. Uh, um, and as does Robert. He says, war. It's Thrawn-tastic. Uh, and he talks a little bit about how this book adds a new era of nobility to Thrawn, but ends it by saying, people love Thrawn, they love this book, and they love the outside chance he might appear on the big screen someday, all of which is made possible by Disney embracing the character and also having the respect to hand him back to his creator. So if that's how Zahn wants to play it, I'm along for the ride. Yeah, and hey, perfectly sums perfectly sums it up, honestly, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think that's how we all feel because it's kind of funny that we got uh, all the, the, the new Thrawn trilogy announced because we have all been like a little bit less than excited about the last two Thrawn books that we've gotten. We've still been really positive about them in general, but they just didn't blow us away like they did a lot of the community. Um, so, but we're still just as happy to get more Thrawn books because it's Timothy Zahn and all that he did for Star Wars, we like owe him, I feel like. So for sure, yeah, just continue writing as much as you want, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> and Hey, I mean, good news for that because we're getting at least three more Thrawn books from Timothy Zahn. As a reminder, if you didn't see on Utini last week, Charles put up a news release about the cover reveal for the first book in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, Chaos Rising. And that cover is baller. It looks really cool. Yeah, it is. It's going to be old school chiss, and I can't wait. A couple other reviews we got are a good old buddy, They Call Me T13, reviewed Ahsoka, uh, saying, my first EU read. This is the book that made me get a library card. My first foray into the Star Wars EU novels, canon, or legends, Ahsoka did not disappoint. Coming off an incredible high from the Clone Wars and Rebels, we sit with Ahsoka in the interstitial time after Order 66 before her work with the Ghost Crew. Cutting herself off from the Force, she is still compelled to act in little ways. It's a small, intimate story, and I'm glad it was my first. What do you guys think about Hmm. coming to the whole EU through Ahsoka? I like it a lot. Ahsoka's a hugely popular character. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's going to become more and more common uh, now that they're Disney Plus has all of Clone Wars available, and there are going to be a lot of kids learning about Star Wars in general yeah, just from that. That's right, and I think I'm glad that people will pick up Ahsoka. Like that tends to be one of the more popular books I think to come into the expanded universe with, and that makes me happy because it means they're going to remember it more fondly. I think, and yeah, like I think a lot yeah. of the hardcore readers didn't love Ahsoka as much as the folks that start with it. So I'm like, bring on the positivity, like start with Ahsoka. That's fine with me. Without a doubt. And on our um, on our council meeting Patreon show the other week, um, which is like a monthly Q&A show we do for some higher level patrons, we actually talked about EU characters being people's favorites. Uh, Ross Orlando gave us a question and said, Ahsoka is now his favorite character of all time. And I think we're going to get a lot more people like you were saying coming in and saying this EU character or this TV show character is actually my favorite above Luke, Han, Leia, etc. So super exciting. 
couple other shout outs for people who wrote reviews. We got Rolando91 wrote a bunch. Mikel wrote a bunch. Rob N wrote a bunch. P Matty Ice wrote a bunch. Um, Man, we got, I think up. we got more reviews this week than we've ever gotten before. Like I, I've said that a lot on the show, but I think I must have gotten – I get an email every time somebody writes a review, and I think I got like 25 emails this week, which is pretty impressive. So many that we can't even That's consider so reading cool. them on the show. Yeah, we're going to keep trying to you know read a couple each week as we can. But, man, keep reviewing. Like, outpace us. Make us exhausted with how That's much right. you want to talk about these books. We Please. freaking love it. And one last little bit of business. Corey, we got a new partnership this week, and I want you to tell our listeners about it. Yes, this is incredibly exciting. I'm sure you probably heard the intro to this week's episode if you're listening to the recorded podcast. I've had Matt working on that one. Um, we have recently partnered with Audible. It's pretty easy to apply to be a uh, an Audible, um, I forget what they call it, like an Audible podcast partner, which I guess what we are now, which essentially means that we're semi-sponsored by Audible, uh, which means that every time that you sign up for a trial, anybody that signs up for a trial of Audible, um, you get a free audiobook, which is amazing. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you also get Utini $15, which is amazing for us. That's a huge which is awesome. a, Yeah, that's a huge affiliate sign-up bonus. There's a lot of expenses associated with the site. I mean, you can see it, how beautiful our website is. Like, I put a lot of work and effort into that, and um, it's expensive. There's, there's a good deal of monthly expenses associated with doing all this. So um, any little bit that we get is goes towards that. I don't touch any of that money myself. It's great. So... Um, you know, if you sign up with Audible for a free trial, then you uh, will earn Utini 15 bucks, which is pretty cool. Um, so that being said, the big key part about that, forget the money, is you get a free audiobook. So let's talk about the audiobooks for just a second, guys, because yeah. like we have harped on the audiobooks hardcore on this show. And um, I know that you guys sometimes will listen to the audiobook in addition to reading the novel. So Eric, didn't you do that recently? I did. Uh, the first one I ever did that with was Alphabet Squadron. Um, I finished the novel and then immediately listened to the audiobook right after, which was a really interesting way to read, um, having already known it. Because my my attention span kind of kind of drifts if I'm listening to audio. Like I love podcasts because it's more conversational. You can kind of drift in and out a little bit. Same with music. But audiobooks, I always found that I would miss like a sentence or something and then have to rewind. So I really like reading a bit and then going back to listen. But I've also done, you know, read a chapter and then listen to a chapter and then go back, read a chapter, like it alternate. And that's kind of crazy, but it really, really helps if you want to get through a book quickly. Um, I find that that's been really cool. What about you, Charles? Are you an, are you an audiobook fan yourself? I used to be more so. I've actually never listened to a book that I've read or vice versa. Oh, really? I've only done one or the other. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a similar thing, though, where like. I can focus if I sit down with a physical book, and that's just my favorite way to take in a story personally. Mm -hmm. But the production of the audio stuff, like obviously I listened to Dooku Jedi Lost because that was an audio drama before it was even a, a physical uh, book. But like the the actual content that they put out is just far and away better than any other audiobook I've ever listened to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally support that. We have a really good write up on. Uh, about the audiobooks in general on utini.com slash audible. And you should go check that out if you haven't already. If you've never listened to a Star Wars audiobook, even if you have read virtually every Star Wars book there is, pick a book you haven't listened to or read in a long time and go pick up the audiobook for it because Charles is not kidding. The production value of the audiobooks is so over the top. There's like sound effects, like X-Wings flying in and music, and it's super epic. Like 
they really go above and beyond with the audiobooks, like more so than really any other audiobooks I've ever listened to. Have yeah, done. and looking in our and looking in our chat here, uh, we got Adam Dyson and Rural Farm Boy both chiming in saying their canon journey has only been audiobooks. Wow, that's so, fantastic. Which is which is awesome. Andrew yeah. Bell saying Mark Thompson is Bay, and man, are you right? <laughs> Yeah, um, if you guys have never listened to that episode, we had the pleasure of interviewing Mark Thompson when one of our first early episodes. And man, he is such a great yeah. guy. I think that's been one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Oh yeah, and he nails it. His Same. Yoda impression is off the chain. If you've never heard it, go listen to that episode. Um, yeah, we really like audiobooks at UTE. We harp on them pretty hardcore. And now, if you sign up and get a trial, then we get some money on the side too. So you know, we can actually put all this positivity talk that we're doing for Audible already. And um, you know, kind of put that out there so we can get a little bit back from that. So right go on, check out man. Audible if you never had before. Um, you can get to that. I think it's I think it's audibletrial.com slash utini is the little is the uh, direct URL you can get to it. If that doesn't work, just go to utini.com slash audible and you can find all the links to get there. Absolutely. Now I'm gonna put you guys on the spot as we finish out this audiobook part and say if we were gonna give our lovely, beautiful listeners one audiobook to try. With their Audible trial, what would it be? I, I'll start out with us to give you guys a chance to think. I'm going to actually steal Ross's answer from the chat here, which is Ahsoka, as we earlier mentioned, because it is narrated by Ashley Eckstein. You get Ahsoka reading mm. Ahsoka, Ooh, which that's is really cool. I didn't know singularly she awesome. That. That's fantastic. It's amazing, and it's such a cool thing. Um, Kelly Marie Tran did the same thing with Cobalt Squadron, so you get Rose doing that book. Uh, so I find that cool. But uh, So I would say get Ahsoka with your credit. What about you guys? If you had one you had to uh, recommend, what would you think? I've I've talked recently about uh, doing the Darth Bane trilogy by audiobook, um, and I would highly recommend the Darth Bane trilogy. Like, I forget who it is. That I think it might be uh, uh, Jonathan Davis, maybe? No, no. Ah, oh, man, I can't remember who narrates it. It's so good, though. Like, the like he really nails the evil associated with Darth Bane and his voice and stuff, and it's, it's really sick. Like, the Darth Bane trilogy is good. And you get three books, too. It's not just one, so... Charles, I know sure. you're not the biggest audiobook uh, dude, mean, but what what do you think would be good if nothing else? Yeah, I'm not the veteran like you guys are. So from what I've actually listened to, obviously Juku 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 Jedi Lost, uh, great pick is I mean just the production value on that is even higher than a typical audiobook because yeah. there's an audio drama. You get the full cast of people who are actually reading their individual parts. So that was amazing. Yep. Um, sleeper pick Kenobi. Go listen to Kenobi. Hey! Oh just, yeah, my my just wife cause. recently listened to the audiobook for Kenobi. So sorry, sorry to steal another one, but I I listened to the last half of it with her, and it was also fantastic. So yeah. Star Wars audiobooks are awesome. If you've never listened to one, go to utini.com slash audible. Check them out. Get a free trial. You get a free book. You can just cancel it after that free trial if you don't want to continue paying for it. Um, Audible's got some pretty cool payment structures, though. Right now, I'm still paying for an Audible subscription. Um, me and my wife both listen to audiobooks when we're on our commutes and stuff. And um, if you act like you're going to cancel Audible, it'll give you the option to do every other month billing, which is what we do. And uh, it makes it like 8 bucks ish a month, which is fantastic for a bunch of Star Wars books. So go check it out, utini.com slash audible. Absolutely. Uh, and last note, get the Myths and Fables audiobook. It's like, give yourself bedtime stories. Anyway. I had to get one last thing, and there's so many good ones. All right. Uh, so now, with all that business aside, we are going to take a super early break in this episode, and then we are going to come back and just full-on go through the big questions in Rebecca Rowan Horse's Resistance Reborn. You in the chat, we'll be back in a second, and if you're listening, check out this Uchini break. Uh, hi, guys. It's uh, 
this is George, and um, I am uh, I'm a director. I make I make movies, and I'm I guess I guess I'm here to tell you about a about a book that I wrote about a movie. I right? Is that a okay? Yep, yep. Uh, uh it's called Star Wars: uh, A New Hope. It wasn't the original title, but I uh, but it's what I liked, and they made a, a book uh about the movie, and it's it's by Alan Dean Foster. It has my name on it, George George Lucas. That's that that's my name. Uh, but I didn't actually write it, so there are some scenes in there that I decided to put in later, um, and then some I took out later because the the movie is a living thing. So I I, I just want to make it the best movie it can be. So I guess uh, you can read that book and on what is this? You 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 teeny. Oh, it's like it's like what the Jawas said in my movie that I made in the seventies. That's that's pretty cool. So go on, uh, Utini, and get a get a new hope the novelization. Okay, and then uh, I guess these guys are gonna talk more now. Okay, bye. Back live. This thing on. This thing working. We're back. Okay. Okay. Oh, I feel it. Everything's fine here. Whew. Feel the force. Bruh. Oh man, what a good break. Hey everybody, we are back. Part two of this episode. Part two of the round table. Part two of my day, frankly, after work. So without further ado, Charles, master of the questions, maestro of the episode, take us away. All right. Well, so we're going to pick this up right where we left off last time, which this is a little bit different than what we're used to because typically we spend a ton of time with the overarching questions and a little bit less time on the characters in part one. But this time around, it's flipped because this book was so heavy on characters. So let's jump right into these now and uh, and start this off with kind of a general question about this book's impact in the real world. So what did this book do for canon as a whole for you guys? I think mm, that's a good question. For me, it, it legitimized it. In, in a way that it hadn't been done before. And what I mean by that is the amount of, of references that it made to previous books and comics in conjunction to, to references from the films kind of put them on the same level. Like in this book, you know, Ran- Ransom Kosturfo is just as big a deal as Finn. And the people of Black Squadron matter just as much as Leia. Like ev- everyone is in the same world for the first time and it really made canon feel like this huge connected thing as opposed to a bunch of separate books and i don't think we'd felt that before yeah yeah i totally agree with that like we said kind of last episode we touched on this a little bit but i'm excited to finally get to talk about this kind of at length in like like i've said this a thousand times it's resistance reborn has done for canon what peak legends was like at its peak man like the books were constantly talking about each other um, they were constantly talking about characters introduced and other things. Like we got to see different authors write the same characters, whether that was Luke or even like Jason Solo and, and like the Solo Children and, and Ben Skywalker and all that crazy stuff from Legends. Different authors all got to do that. So like there was this big feeling of cohesiveness amongst the books. Where and that was one of the things that was so exciting about the Star Wars books is that it all lived in the same universe. It was all about the same characters. It was. Um, all in a big continuous story, right? So this book feels like that, right? So I'm I'm still feeling like we're entering this time of sort of peak canon stuff where things are going to be talking about each other, where we're getting continuations of books. 
Um, they've just announced another trilogy. It looks like the Padme mm-hmm. stuff is kind of working out to be some sort of series. Like, man, the series books and the trilogy and the long form content is like, it's incredible. Um, last thing I'll say about that is I had a friend text me uh, a little while back that I sort of helped get into Star Wars books um, in the previous city I lived in uh, before I moved to Tennessee. And uh, they said that Star Wars is like the series that never ends, which is what they've always dreamed of. Star Wars books are like the series that never ends because that's what it's like. It's like you pick up another, you pick up the book and you finish it and you just get the next one. You get the next one. Even though it's not related, it's still in the same universe. So that's what this book feels like, that crazy connection that we've been sort of missing, I think, from canon. Yeah, and and one more thing I think it did in outside of the fiction, right? It made it made the fiction itself a little more like connected and insular, but I think for the real world, it, real world, sorry, it made it less insular because this was a new author that hadn't done a single book and is now immediately a superstar in Star Wars. Like Rebecca Rowanhorse wrote her first novel last year, and now she wrote one of the best Star Wars books that is universal, like universally considered one of the best. And people love her, and I think it's showing us that if she can do this, then we don't we don't only have to wait for the next book by Claudia Gray or Della Dawson. I mean, we will, but I think it kind of infused Star Wars with we're gonna keep bringing people in, and they're gonna freaking kill it. And I think that excitement um, of new talent is something new as well. Yeah, I think we we definitely are entering into a new age of canon that, as you said, Corey, is gonna be a lot more similar to legends. The thing that was so cool about legends was the more you read, the more you got back. Like you, you could invest a little bit at a time and like the payback would just be monstrous. And I think that that's probably coming, but I have to ask, do you guys think that this is how Canon is going to be now with this level of connection every time we get a project or was this because this is the lead up to the quote, end of the Skywalker saga. Now that is a fantastic question. I think I it's know. the latter, man. It's there. They can't do this in every book. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And only because I think that they, that they still do value every book being someone's first star Wars book to a level. I mean, this was done really well. You didn't need to know any of the extra stuff to read this book. That, that is true. But I think if you tried to bring in everyone to every book like that, it would start to get a little standoffish, but I think we'll start to see it a little more. But but for every book, nah. Yeah, I mean, All right. I I remember reading reading Legends as a kid. Kind of how I looked at it is kind of how we looked at this. Look at the Star Wars films right now is you have like the mainline saga stuff, and then you have everything else. Meaning like you have stuff that progresses the overall story of of Star Wars, what was considered canon at the time, the Star Wars books, which is like the Yuuzhan Vong War. Um, and then like the Sith kind of started to return there at the very, very end before they pulled the plug on legends. Like there was this sort of mainline series that was all about Luke and Leia and Han and our main characters that we love the Skywalker saga, if you will. And then you had all these gigantic number of spinoff books, like, uh, smugglers run all the short stories, the tales from the empire tales from all sides of the cantina millennium Falcon, um, you have all these spin-off books that just take place in the Star Wars universe. So like it felt like there's almost two entire categories of books. And we kind of have that a little bit in in canon now because we have the Aftermath trilogy, which is a kind of a continuation of the books. We have um the Thrawn trilogy, which is almost a little bit of a continuation of uh, other stuff. And now we're getting um another Thrawn trilogy, right? So I don't know. It seems like there's sort of a mainline series of books. 
Yeah. Oh, guys, quick break off here, because I don't know if you've seen, the entire chat is talking about Corrin Horn right now. I know, I know. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying not to look at I don't at have it pulled up. <laughs> we love you all so much. They have, they have been talking about... Uh, at, at a $500 Patreon goal, Corey's going to read a chapter of I, Jedi at the start of each episode. Oh, my God. Now Meg's talking <laughs> about her history with, with Corrin Horn, about the Jedi books with Jared Mays coming in. So j- just, we see y'all. Listen, if you people make <laughs> me read the chapters from Corrin, I'm just going to pick the absolute worst quote and make everybody that listens to this podcast hate Corrin Horn as much as I do. All right. Uh, this is, that's what's going to happen. All right. So Cornhorn is not in this book, but just a quick quick shout out. We do see you and appreciate y'all. If they make Cornhorn <laughs> but, but canon, I'm gonna quit. I swear to God. <laughs> there may or may not there may or may not be a reference to Cornhorn that we will get to towards the end of this episode. Oh my God. So Let's stay tuned trucking. for that. <laughs> All right. So in contrast to what this book did for canon in the real world, what did this book do ultimately to set the Rise of Skywalker up for success? I think it filled in a lot of holes of, you know, how did the Resistance get these ships? How did we find these leaders? I mean, we're going to plunge into Rise of Skywalker with a lot of people, right? We're going to plunge in with um, a lot of, you know, people involved that obviously weren't on the Falcon at the end of eight. We were all worried that the only people existing are going to be the people that are literally in the Millennium Falcon at the end of Last Jedi. But now Resistance Reborn... It's kind of the gateway to say, hey, we're going to see all these Mon Calamari ships now. We're going to see yeah. these maybe people like Wedge and Nora come back. You know, it, it's kind of just opening that door a little bit to show the resistance is starting to build. So by the time we start episode nine, you know, if you're watching this and you've read the book, you can say, oh, that's why all these people are here, because they started building months ago, even though your regular moviegoer will just accept it. You know, we don't need to yeah. see... Well, or or, or maybe the maybe they don't accept it, and this will be a really great little Ugh. comeback to, like, the internet trolls who are going to be like, how is the Resistance so big? It's only been a year. We're like, uh, did you read Resistance Reborn? Because it um, perfectly explains if, all if, this. If you have read the ancillary material, um, it explains everything <laughs> very clearly. Yes. That was Eric doing his real voice. <laughs> I know. I, I... What y'all normally hear is his radio voice. Okay, uh, so, I work very hard to keep so it So ultimately, like this. It, gets us, it gets us from point A to point B. It fills in the blanks that not everyone going into that theater in December this month is going to get. Right. All right. So let's talk about some specifics from the book now. Um, I would really like to touch on a few things in particular. And the first one is Ray and Leia's conversation on the Falcon, where it's it's relatively early in the book. They're having a cup of tea. They're just hanging out. A, a young girl and her grandmother is how I kind of think of it. Mm-hmm. And we see Ray on page 13 call Kylo, Kylo Ren. And Leia responds by referring to him as Ben. She blatantly kind of ignores the fact that he was just called Kylo and responds with Ben. And that was certainly intentional, right? What what does that tell us about each character and where they are in terms of their opinion on Ben, a.k.a. Kylo Ren? Mm, man, I didn't even notice that. That's a really beautiful yeah. callback. It's almost like it's almost like Ray feels like her understanding of Kylo Ren has changed because of uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Leia is always going to see her son as her son. 
You know, I mean, nothing. She mm-hmm. will never call him Kylo Ren. You know, I and I think, I mean, even Han didn't. At, um, in episode seven, you know, he just says Ben. Yeah. First time we hear the name, like they will never consider him this this other creature because he is their son. Even though he has fallen, that that never changes. And I think for Ray, she, I mean, her relationship with Kylo is obviously very fractured. We see that at the end of eight, it's going to be a huge part of nine, obviously. So I think she is kind of, kind of struggling herself and her her willingness to call him Kylo instead of Ben, which is what she last called him in eight, I think is, is a pretty marked difference for her. Yeah. I mean, I think it shows where each character thinks that he is going to go ultimately in what we see on screen in episode nine. And we actually have a direct quote from Leia where she says, no one can save Ben, but himself. And I don't know if that is what he wants. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, isn't it? And beautifully sad. Yeah. So does Ben or Kylo want to be saved, guys? I know this is a this is a the biggest point of contention right, right. in fandom right now and and we're going to spend literally 30 seconds on it, but I'm just curious as to your thoughts. Does Ben want to be saved? Not even will he be saved, but does he want to be? Cuz I think it's actually a different question. Yeah. I th- I, don't know. I think he strikes me kind of like an addict in a way, you know, like a, a young kid that got caught up in the wrong crowd, maybe like, you know, became a drug addict or something like the dark side is literally a drug. It makes you feel way more powerful. It makes you feel sure. kind of invincible when you're in it, but it slowly destroys you and everyone around you. So of course he's probably in his soul crying out like, hey, mom, help me. Like I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm, I'm clearly not in control of everything he's doing. But he's never going to say that outwardly because he's so far in it. And if he ever admitted help, he'd have to admit that he's been wrong. He'd have to admit that he killed his dad, which is which is psychologically horrifying. He'd have to admit all these things to himself. And I don't know if he's ready to do that. But subconsciously, I definitely think he's crying out for help. Yeah, that's, a, that's the ultimate question, I think, is what's going to happen with Ben Solo in this movie. And I, I don't honestly know the answer to that. I don't think anybody truly does. Like, I don't know. I feel like if he really wanted to take his chance, he would have at the end of uh, end of the last film. So, and he didn't. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he was. I think that he was thinking, I can make this right. It's it's the uh, it's the Anakin thing. It's the hey, we can rule this together, right? Because everyone else has abandoned me, but you haven't. And I think it was just misguided. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But it was cool. It though, was cool. It was really cut cool. that dude in half. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so. We don't know about Kylo. We don't know about anything that's coming in episode nine, but let's talk about Kylo's supposed other half, as some people say. A lot of people who are out there podcasting that refer to them as uh, two sides of the same coin, Kylo and Ray. And I think that actually came from, was it Ryan Johnson that said that? I believe so. Um, I think it was. Now, so to speak of the other half of the coin, on page 235, we have another one of these quotes that really stuck out to me. And it says, Leia studied her face. The girl was close, so close to something big, bigger than Leia, maybe even Luke, if that was possible. But Leia knew that she wasn't the one to ultimately get her there. That would be someone else. Nonetheless, she would do what she could for Rey while she could. So one, who is the someone else that's going to get Rey to whatever level that we're talking about? 
And two, is it really possible that Rey might be more powerful than Luke Skywalker? Could she, I'm going to go off the deep end, could she even be the chosen one? Oh my god. Oh my god, I did it. It's right. blasphemous, but I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, clearly the someone else is Watto. Um, that's in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> just, just read the oh book. God. Let's get it's that obvious. out of the way. Let, right let's now. get the no, obvious. they won't. <laughs> you are the chosen rig. Um, so no, uh, I, <laughs> oh, I do. I do think that it's Kylo. Um, I don't know. So if something, something to it. clarify here, uh, which Rebecca Roanhorse told us when, when we talked to her, is they did not let her see any of the script. So unless she was yes. lying to right. us, unless she was lying to us, which I don't think she was, no. unless she was lying to us, then this is not alluding to something that's in the film. But I think the the context kind of makes it does allude to something that's in the film. Yeah, I, right. I it feels to me like something that she put in, and if they if she had been way off the mark, the editors would have been like, no, no, don't 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 do that, you know. But it's also this is like a this is like a Jedi prophecy where it's vague enough that it's like oh Ray's gonna progress in Episode Nine the That's protagonist true. is gonna evolve in some way it's like okay Whoa. yeah yeah so I think that can be you're you're totally right Charles it can be metaphorical it can be literal whatever we want as far as her being more powerful than Luke um, I think that that actually tracks because in Episode Eight. He says he's only seen this type of power once before in Ben, and he he would have known his own power as well. I think. So I think mm-hmm. I mean because Luke wasn't that powerful, like just purely, you know. Like I mean, I, I love Luke; he's one of my favorites. But just pure power wise, Luke never showed like you know he was that strong just naturally. He had to learn a lot from Yoda. He could barely call his lightsaber in Episode Nine, in Episode Five. You know, I mean, like Luke's awesome. But as for he had to train a lot. Ray's pure power might be great. The chosen one prophecy in my mind is Anakin. That's the chosen one, and I think that that prophecy has been fulfilled. In my mind, that prophecy has moved on. I think that Ray is a huge part of the galaxy. She might have even a bigger impact. But for that particular prophecy, that particular balance, I think that was Anakin. Six and a half hours later. All right, hey everyone. Thank you. That was crazy. Internet didn't like us. We said the book that shall not be named way too many times, and we attempted fate. Yeah, that was uh, apparently a terrible, terrible idea. It was. <laughs> but after those technical difficulties, we are back. Matt, thank you for the edit that you undoubtedly just did masterfully. And Charles, kick us back into um, the question we were on, or the next one. It's up to you, man. Yeah, so Corey, did you have anything to add in terms of if Ray could be more powerful than Luke, if it's possible that uh Luke might be the someone to get her there, or whether it might be Kylo or or Palpatine or someone else? Yeah, uh it's it's that's an excellent question. I definitely don't think Luke I mean uh Luke or Ray. I don't think Luke or Ray are the chosen ones. I don't think that's I don't think that's plausible. Also, the chosen one is is a prophecy or that, you know, could have been misread it could have been, right? You know, as yeah. you said. <laughs> so I definitely don't think they're, they're the chosen one and uh but I also don't you know, I have a problem with the whole like Ray can't be powerful because she's like, you know, new to the force and all that. And, like, yeah, that's uh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, like I really like the idea of the force having innate sort of strength in people, so um, I don't know. I, I, I doubt she's the chosen one, though. Yeah, I think she doesn't have the title, but doesn't mean she doesn't have the power. 
That's right. Mm. I like that. Okay. All right. Well, that answers the question. I wonder maybe uh, Anakin could continue carrying out his prophecy if he is indeed the chosen one um, by maybe being the one to get Rey to whatever point she's supposed to get to. I love a force vision. You know I do. (laughs) Yeah. Bring that on, please. All right. So the next thing that I wanted to touch on is actually pretty simple. It's short. It's sweet. But it was a line from Maz to Poe pretty early in the book. Once again, on page 40, when she just simply says, be the light, Poe, be the light. And I'm curious as to how this landed for y'all, if it meant anything to you in particular, um, and why, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm so distracted. By <laughs> no, so I'm sorry. There's so many Slack messages. <laughs> okay. I feel like I should probably just start this over, but basically be the light po is what Ma said on page 40. What did it mean to you guys? Um, did it mean anything to you? Did you kind of just breeze past it? Do you think there's any way that this was Rebecca Rowanhorst kind of breaking that fourth wall and speaking to the audience in, uh, you know, related to a lot of the things that we've seen in fandom in recent years? I I really like the entire uh, Maz thing in this book. That entire scene was really, really good. And like seeing her kind of like smack some sense into Poe was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like, you know, hey, listen up. I'm not just going to help you because you asked me, but I know what you need. I'm going to make you squirm a little bit, and then I'll help you out. Like, it was great. Maz is, Maz is one of those characters, I think, that we didn't all realize how much we needed her or loved her in Force Awakens. But, like, everything she's in, I'm always excited to see Maz show up. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, now, another type of uh, inspirational quote, I guess, that came out of this book was this you know, drop in the ocean, essentially, uh, line that it's, it comes from again, early in the book, there was a lot of setup early on where Leia says, this is barely a drop in the bucket of what we're going to need to take down the first order. And Ray responds, but every drop counts, right? A drop here and there. And before you know it, you have an ocean. And I'm curious, do you guys think that this line is going to be used in the rise of Skywalker. And the reason I ask is we got, you know, the spark that'll light the fire that'll burn down the first order in (laughs) the last Jedi. So that was the fire side of things. And then that got carried into a lot of these books recently, like spark of resistance. And then again, we see callbacks to that same line in this novel. Uh, But now we have the water side of things and we're getting this drop in the bucket. uh, And before you know it, you have an ocean Will this get carried forward? I think the sentiment definitely is. I like the the fire and water dichotomy, but I think also that kind of encapsulates all of Star Wars. You know what I mean? I I think sure we are all drops in the bucket of fandom ourselves, right? I mean, looking in this chat, we again, you all been doing great. Shout out to Nicholas Cazero Senior, first time viewer. Welcome to the show. Real Farmer's been chatting in there. Mister Rez is in there. Andrew's in there. Like, every single one of you guys, along with us, are kind of drops in this bucket of positivity we're trying to form. And sometimes it feels like the first order of negative fans and things like that are all just, like, harping down. But all it takes is a drop here, a drop here, a drop here, kind of building up. 
and it does become this ocean of light and of love that kind of conquers all. And I think that is really going to be the message of the sequel trilogy at the end of all of it. It is the a drop, a drop, a drop coming together to form this giant ocean. So even if, to your point, Charles, the sentiment isn't word for word said in episode nine, the feeling definitely will be, I think, of all these different drops, all these different buckets throughout the galaxy creating this giant wave that's going to create the most epic battle in the history of cinema. Yeah, totally. Thank I you mean, for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 this is all very reminiscent of that whole theme of like of hope that's continually in Star Wars. And we see like you, you don't really think about it. I mean, they're always talking about how and they can be the light that'll burn down the first order. And that seems kind of like a goofy line a little bit. And like, it's not that important, but it's, it, it is real though. Right. I mean, you have this group of people that are just fighting and fighting and fighting against this overwhelmingly enormous force that just seems so unbeatable. And it seems so hopeless. And the fact that, that this group is up against such odds that is, is so inspiring. So, well, we see the exact line muttered in the film. I kind of doubt it because she didn't read the script, right? But right. <laughs> other than that, I mean, it, 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 the sentiment is absolutely there. And I'm, I, I guarantee you the early parts of the film is going to be a lot about that early resistance feeling. Like like the early mm-hmm. – like the, they have to transition in the film from where we were at the, at the end of the, uh, the Last Jedi, right? There has to be some kind of transition into this new film of – like it was an empire where like they're on a new base and the you know the rebel alliance is big but they're also still kind of in turmoil so i think we'll see that still to some degree yep agreed right okay all right well i want to pivot from some of these things that we may see in the rise of skywalker and i want to talk about someone who i'm assuming we will not see in the rise of skywalker and that is han solo mm. because there was there were a couple points where Han got some love in this book and a couple of points where he got, I don't know, dare I say shafted, but uh, <laughs> I want to touch on some of those. So starting with page 117, Leia was on the Falcon and she was remembering basically just her experiences and her memories there with Han. And I like legitimately teared up yeah. from this passage right here. It's when she's talking about why she turned down staying on the base on Ryloth with Yendor and why she chose to stay on the Falcon instead. And it says, The real reason was that the ship had become a consolation, a familiar place that reminded her of Han and happier times and fueled her sense of hope. She could sit in the hardback chair in front of the deck and almost hear Han's voice shouting some outrageous maneuver at Chewie or complaining that, once again, the hyperdrive wouldn't engage. She found herself more than once laughing quietly to herself over a memory of flying off on some wild adventure or ill-conceived scheme that had been hatched right here where she sat. She could almost see Han's cocky smile, his insouciant slouch, as he talked her into yet another debacle. Perhaps it was foolish to dwell on such nostalgia, but it gave her solace, and she clung to it. The Falcon felt like home. Oh my god. That is... It felt like home. Uh, Chewie uh, were home. Jesus, I'm going to cry right Indeed. now. Indeed. <sighs> Jeez, man. Like, how beautiful was that? It's gorgeous. And and what a great shout out because again, the issue with the film sometimes is there's no time to react. And and you know, there was everyone was up in arms, oh Leia didn't hug Chewie and whatnot, all that stuff. There's no time. There is no time. But in the books we have time for moments like these. And I just I think it should be applauded. What did what did this moment mean to you guys? 
Well, Rule Farm Boy in our chat chat brought up a good point, but we probably won't see him in the film, but maybe we'll hear him in some way. And I would love to see that subtle. Ooh. Like, what if, what mm. if there is like a split a split second scene? Doesn't take very long, like a couple seconds. Where, um, like you know how how Han in the Force Awakens like went back to the cockpit and just kind of stood there for a second and kind of smiled to himself oh, in the chair and stuff. Shot, yeah. What if we saw Leia yeah. go in there and kind of run her hand over like the top, the back of the chair or something, and you hear? like Han's voice and that distant sort of faded memory sound effect that's kind of there. And it says something like punch it, Chewy, or mm -hmm. um, like uh, you said you want to be around when I screwed up princess. This might be it or something like that. Like one of the one, they use the audio from one of the classic lines from the original trilogy. That would be so impressively beautiful. Yeah. If they did or that. if there's like um like a little hologram or a little recording of like how to maintain the Falcon where like we have to fix something and it goes like, all right, hey, honey. So uh, it's like Han left, and he had to like leave her instructions on how to maintain yeah, it. Like fantastic. I can definitely see us hearing him in a bit, but um, I want to give a quick shout out to the episode eight novelization, um, which we've said is isn't one of our favorites. Um, I think it it's fine, but doesn't expand quite as much as we'd like. But one thing I believe it does have, if, if I remember correctly, is the funeral for Han. Um, is a scene that was added in there, and it's really like you were saying, Charles. One of those few moments we get to reflect and to think about these things and everything with han in this book absolutely broke me like i i am definitely in my renaissance of han solo love these last couple years wasn't one of my favorites as a kid but man do i love him now and for me it was when leia was looking around um for tea or whatever in the falcon and ray says oh there's yeah. tea she's like oh you left it here and she's like oh no han always had it because he always had it for her when she would come yep. on and I'm like, Oh my, like that it's, the, that's the, like we've been married for decades stuff, you know, yeah. that, that really got to me and she hadn't cleaned it out yet. And it's, it's that kind of stuff that, I mean, obviously lay really heavy with her and lay equally as heavy with me as I was reading it. It was, it was beautifully written. I mean, massive shout out to Rowan horse for how she handled that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I would just really like to see some sort of, nod to the romance between Han Solo and, and, and Princess Leia in, in the new film of some way. Like it's been alluded to a lot in the books, just in general and both legends and Canon. And I would just love to see some, we need to see some way of Leia grieving in this film. I think like some, some kind of small, it doesn't have to be huge, but just something I think to just shout back to that is important. Yep. Maybe something with the dice. I mean, come on, let's do it. Let's do all yeah, three films. Maybe. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Who has the dice, by the way? Where are they? In canon. It's a great question. Ray, oh, they're on the Falcon still, I'd assume. Are they? Yeah. That was just like a force. Right. I don't know. What do you call that? Apparition? No, just disappeared in yes. Leia's hand, or uh, Kylo yeah. Ren's hand, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they're still on the Falcon. But, okay, so. You know, speaking of Force apparitions, I want to talk about the reaction that we got to Luke's death as well. Because it was probably, I would say, a more powerful moment. And it came from one of the characters that we were blessed to get back in this novel, Wedge. So, whenever he first essentially learned about this loss, it came from Snap. Where Snap says, there's one more loss. Wedge, you better sit down. And Wedge just says, tell me. Oh my God! Snap says, "Luke Skywalker," and the book says, "Wedge swayed." He reached back, gripping the counter. Not Luke, 
could he even be killed? Didn't Jedi live forever or something? And then finally, when he gathers himself in response, he says, then it's over. The resistance is over. The First Order has won. And that's the end of a chapter. And it was it was such a good break, I felt like, in the dialogue to just have that definitive yeah. line. Like, the First Order has won. Luke Skywalker is gone. Like right in the gut. There's nothing else to say. Yeah. It's just there. Yeah, yeah. that's a great line. It's one of my favorite in the book. Nothing really gets yeah. to me like old men crying, you know, like, like the old grizzled <laughs> soldiers just, like breaking down. So that that moment was a great cathartic moment of like, yeah, right. We saw this. We got to get over this after two years. Wedge has not. Yeah, he gets true. an right. hour and then has to go right back to duty. And it's it was handled really well, but was just crushing because you think about how long they've been together. I mean, Wedge. Out of everyone around still, other than Leia, has really known Luke the longest. Yeah. I mean, they flew together. The true. only two people that made it out of Red Squadron for the Death Star Assault. Like, every other one died. And, they ha- and they'd shared that for decades. And now his buddy's gone. And he didn't even know where he was when he died. Like, That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's crushing. Wedge MVP of this book. I think I said it last episode, but he's... Ugh. I know Poe is the main character, he's the best, but Wedge, just everything with him crushed me. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really well done. Um, so let's talk about some more death let's here go. on The Living Force. <laughs> death, our death episode. <laughs> but but let's talk about someone who maybe you weren't as uh, as crushed by when he died, and that is Winnie the Shit himself <laughs> making his triumphant return to part two of this roundtable. Winsher Bratt's death. I want to talk about the quote that we got, or one of them rather, towards uh, when he was shot and was laying there dying. Um, spoiler alert, maybe it's good that Wes isn't here in case he hasn't finished his 80 pages yet. Uh, but on page 274, we, we have the book say, He hurt inside and out, but the pain was fading. Betrayal. That's all he could feel now. Not by Monty or even Yama. It was violence that had lied to him. It had made him promises of power, but in the end, it had not saved him. It had damned him. Yeah, and man. it's such a great just paragraph one, but I couldn't help but notice the similarities, I think, between Wincher Brat. This is going to sound ridiculous, but Wincher Brat and the Sith. And the yes! lie of violence and yeah! power and how you can see it affect a common man the same as you can see it affect Kylo Ren and one of the more powerful force users that we've seen. So what did you all think of Winter Bratt's death? How did it hit you? And what do you think about this line in particular, that violence, which was supposed to save him, had damned him? Oh, man, that was a that was a cheering moment right there. That, that was a triumphant, like, yeah, that's what you get. Like, it it was it was a great way to demonize violence through violence, you know? Because obviously he got killed through violence, but I think for the first time in, in a while in Star Wars, it really showed how the act of violence brought him there. Because we've seen, you know, the dark side as this mystical thing bring, bring people to death. We've seen people like Tarkin standing on the Death Star. It blows up that his ambition and power with him and Krennic brings them to death. But the actual violence of a mid-level normal person betrayed them. It was such a new concept and such a great one that it, it just felt great, man. 
I think it was a really great lesson, and it was really written. Again, I keep coming back to her writing style. It was written so well, and it was, and it made me really want to just get up and cheer and be like, "Yeah, yeah, Winnie the shit." That's what you get. <laughs> what you get, punk bitch. Exactly. Don't beat up <laughs> young girls. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree with everything you said. I mean. That that last line, the violence damned him, is man, that was awesome. But it was one of the best lines in the book, I think, and um It was. Yeah, it was really good. But on the flip side of that, what I thought was really interesting was that uh Casterfo offered his hand to Brat while he was laying there dying. And I thought that was a glimpse into what makes the resistance different than the first order. And the rebellion before that different than the empire because it was a resistance member technically it was it was uh Tizanaz that killed Brat or that shot him right in the in the abdomen and then a resistance member comes over and like offers him a hand of of forgiveness yeah so like i don't you couldn't imagine a first order member or a or an imperial killing someone and then offering that type of I don't know, grace or forgiveness or whatever you want to call it. And I thought that was a great way to depict the difference between the two sides, that you can commit some sort of violence. Like, this is a war, but there's still, at its core, a very different intent behind those acts. Yeah. I mean, be the light, right? That's exactly. The thing. Exactly. Be the light of the blaster bolt that is burning through Winchabrat. Also That's that. right. <laughs> 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 that was that was in the unabridged version of the text. Um, <laughs> all right, so we are winding down a little bit, but I want to talk about Poe's final speech because it was one of the most inspirational things of all time, of all time in Star Wars. And I feel like I'm just doing a lot of reading tonight, but that's like just a great that's, book. Was basically that was my job for this for this. Uh, <laughs> For this roundtable, if you'd like to hear these quotes read better, go to audible.com <laughs> through Utini and pick up this, this audiobook. But basically, Poe is asked in the final pages of this novel, where do we go from here? What do we do next? And he says, anywhere, everywhere, every corner of the galaxy where someone is fighting tyranny, where someone is standing up against injustice, because the resistance is not just this room. It is not only the people on that list. In fact, it is not one person or one place. It is a million people, a thousand places, each one the resistance. So what do we do now? We scatter to every corner of the galaxy, taking our message with us. We help those already fighting the First Order. We make allies, and we sow the spark of resistance. And when the time comes, we will be ready. We will rise up and we will fight, and all of us together will burn the First Order to the ground. So there's a callback again there at the end to the spark that'll burn the First Order to the ground. But, I mean, I thought it was so cool. Each one of us, the resistance, Mm -hmm. like in its entirety. Like, how did that hit y'all? What do you think hearing that line back, although it could have been read read better uh, by Eric or perhaps Mark Thompson, but what do you think? Uh, Inspiration, man. That's... I mean that's it. They they're they're not shy about what the themes of this series is. It's it's about coming together to fight a giant evil and everyone has a part. I mean that's the end of the last Jedi. It's it's Broom Boy with the ring 
Um, you know, it's <laughs> Broom Boy. <laughs> whatever his face, he's got a name. We don't know it. Um, he does have it. But like that—that's the thing. Everyone is a part of the resistance, even if you don't think you can be a part of it. You are. I mean, it's Jin Erso in Rogue One. It's—it's it's Luke in the original trilogy. You know, it's everyone not thinking they can really make a difference. That actually changes the galaxy. I mean, all the way back to Anakin being a little kid from Tatooine. You know, it's and it's Poe carrying that legacy on to the readers, to the characters, and all the way up in Episode Nine in three weeks. That's all of it. I was just after he said that speech, I was really hoping somebody was going to come in, like Finn or or some random officer or something, and be like, "But, but, but no, really, literally, where are we going?" <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> fantastic because <laughs> he gave this. Beautiful speech, and but it doesn't have any actual. No, not really. It wasn't what they was asking. Like, yeah. no, we, we need to plot the coordinates, Poe. Where are we going? Oh, it's like it's like uh, a, it's like Pippin at the end of Fellowship of the Ring when he's like, "The Fellowship of the Ring," and Pippin's like, "Great, where are we going?" And that's the end. Yes. Of, that's the end of disc one when you watch the extended version. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. No, I mean, that's like, that's that's what the whole film is going to be about. Is where the resistance is. Like the whole, how do I put it? Everything is leading up to this final film where I assume that we're going to see the complete defeat of the first order. And if that's the case, then like we have to see some sort of rise to power. Like the, we have to see somebody mentioned in the the chat a minute ago, like that shot from the trailer with all the ships. We have to get to that point at some, at some time. So Uh, I'm glad that it's Poe, I guess, like kind of in charge now, like because he has clearly sort of embodied that sort of spirit that that General Leia had. So, yep, I don't know. I'm liking it. I'm liking yeah, it. and and so speaking of kind of the again the passing of the torch and how this might be Leia passing the torch to Poe in in some way or another. The very last page of this book shows us sort of a resistance celebration the small group that they are in the new base that they get to. And it's kind of almost like a smaller version of uh, the Yavin ceremony. (laughs) I mean, it's the entire resistance, essentially. There are no medals, Mm -hmm. but uh, we see like our, our main crew all standing together and Leia watching them. And essentially uh, it felt to me like the transition of her looking at the new generation. Who's really going to fully in this movie, take the resistance uh, on their shoulders. And then the last line of the book, Poe standing there with one arm around Ray and one arm around Finn says, now let's go save the galaxy. And it was just like, I was like air punching. I was like, this is like, let's go. Yeah. Like that is, it's, it's the last line that I want to like read before, even though it's not going to be the last line I read, but it's the last one I want to read before I go into the theater. Yeah. To watch the rise of Skywalker, like let's go save the gosh darn galaxy. Yeah, these are hero movies, like good triumphs over evil. Like at the end, we can have all our cool, like we like the dark side stuff too. We love the like the smugglers and the and the, the moral ambiguity. Awesome, that stuff's cool. There are good guys, there are bad guys, and the good guys are gonna <laughs> win. Okay, like That's let's right. watch it happen. And they're gonna be riding. Yep. Freaking horses on the outside yes! of the Star Destroyer in with the lightsaber in hand. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, guys, less than three weeks. Less than three weeks. I just cannot <laughs> believe that. That is so mind-blowing. <gasps> oh, We're so close God. to this film. 
So yeah, that's my yeah. thought on that, Charles. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that's the thought that you should have. So as as we move towards this, let's talk about some of the Easter eggs and the connective tissue that we saw in this novel, and there was plenty. Always my favorite believe part. Me. So I, you know, some of these are very obvious, and they were meant to be, and some of them I would like to think were a little bit less so. So let's just run through them. So. First of all, the prologue set on Corellia. So right out of the gate, obviously later on some of the story takes place on Corellia, but right out of the gate we're getting connections to other stories, like Solo, a Star Wars story, and our first true look into Corellia in canon. But the scene, actually, in the prologue, I think was also a bit of a callback to Paige Tico in The Last Jedi, and we see a lone person uh, who knows they're going to die, who is willing to do what is necessary to further the cause of the resistance. Love it. And I thought that was great. Yeah, fantastic. Um, l- later on, we get Poe referencing uh, Jess's nickname, the Great Destroyer, due to how many astromechs she's lost out on her missions. And that was a joke that originated in the Poe Dameron comic. Yep. So if you've read that, then you probably picked up on that right Such away. Such a good series. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. If you haven't read it actually before reading this book, I imagine it would be just as fun to go back and read after this book. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read the Poe Dameron comic, so I need to go back and do oh, it. Oh man, it's, let us know. Yeah, well, we were we were talking about it on Discord this week. It's like the only comic series that's not in hardback for some stupid reason. So yeah, like it's old. There's no reason it shouldn't be in hardback, but it's not. So I don't know if I have all the paper copies behind me or not. I need to look and see if I do. You gotta pick them up if you haven't. Um, page 28, we see Rat Attack mentioned, which of course is the planet where Asajj Ventress spent some of her adolescence. Uh, and you can hear more about that in Dooku Jedi Lost or Dark Disciple. That's right. Take your choice. That's right. Take your pick. Uh, page 31, Bespin is mentioned. So we're getting some OT love outside of some character callbacks. That's right. Um, page 78, I brought this up on our episode with, uh, Brad Whipple over at Friends of the Force, but I wanted to make sure I addressed it here too. Leia reveals that she's been recording memoirs. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Are we going to see like yeah. a, like a, like Lando? <laughs> he had those memoirs like <laughs> from Solo. Yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, maybe that, that is one, uh, that is one kind of similarity there. So maybe it was a callback to that. And I also thought that maybe it was a real life reference to all of Carrie Fisher's memoirs also that she great, has yeah. written. So I think it works on multiple levels. Who knows if that was intentional? What but. if uh what if we see that published as an actual book? Oh The Memoirs of Princess Leia. Oh, that would be amazing. What if that's what Project Luminous is? It's all the Force Ghost. Say, like, oh my god. It's a giant it's a giant book, like with all the memoirs of Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker. Like as told by the perspective wow. of their Force Ghost. Project Luminous. Call it right now. You heard it here first. All right. right, there it is. Let's find because out. She, All right, Rebecca cool. said she hasn't read the read the script. That doesn't mean she's not like in the know about other projects that are going on. Uh, guys, I gotta That's pause true. you real quick here, Charles, for a live announcement. Breaking news oh. on Twitter: Adam Dyson just tweeted out, "I now call the Jedi High Council home, and the Living Force is one step closer to our Queen Shadow Roundtable." Welcome, Adam Dyson, to our highest tier <laughs> of oh, Patreon. Wow. Nice. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, man. Welcome, buddy. Oh, nice. man. One of our staunchest supporters. Awesome dude. Yeah. 
Thank you. Seriously, thank you so much. All the way from over in Australia. Happy Tuesday. Soon to be one of the poorest Star Wars fans in existence. <laughs> giving us all this money. Oh, thank <sighs> you. So we are, yes, we are now, at time of recording, $6 away from our Queen wow. Shadow Roundtable. Sorry, go ahead, Charles, but I had to, had People... to call that out. People are trying to shut this podcast down is what they're trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think this day would come. (laughs) Page 81. This one's for you, Corey. Uh, 3PO says, it would not surprise me to discover your blood pressure is higher than the recommended range, (laughs) which current medical standards sets between, and he gets cut off. (laughs) And as a doctor, I demand to know, are the guidelines in the Star Wars universe in line with the JNC-8 or not? That is fantastic. Does it follow JNC-8 guidelines or or JNC-7? That's the question. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's a long time, long time ago, so who knows? How do they manage blood pressure in Star Wars? That's what I want to know. So we should. I don't. By the way, Charles, I can't believe this has never come up before. We need to do a Living Force episode sometime about medicine in Star Wars because there's enough I think to be talk fun. about a full episode's worth. Especially with uh, Last Shot, where we got to look into medical school and what it meant to be a yes, surgeon. Yes, that's right. Like and, they nailed it. It was totally yeah. true. It makes you go crazy, become a serial killer, and like <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So if you're a surgical resident listening to this, yeah, I can talk some shit. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, page 84, I had to laugh uh, because Ray is making things up to try to get uh, the Falcon access to Ryloth, and she's using people's names uh, in this story that she's concocting. So she says they're from the Han system, and she says they lost their codes due to a terrible incident on Tito Minor. And Tito is the name of the scrapper who originally tried to capture BB-8 at the beginning of... The Force Awakens. That's just Tito. So that was a great call. That's right. Great. I also appreciate that the galaxy is so large that you can frequently just make shit up on the fly when you're trying to get into Space Force, and everybody just buys that, no problem. Because like, that's probably. Oh yeah, I I know where that's at. I know I know exactly (laughs) where Czechoslovakia is. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Sure. It's Europe or something. Uh, Oh, quick in the chat. Bet you guys med school thing real quick. Uh, Trevor yeah. Davey mentions the MedStar duology. It's got a, a bunch of medicine, medicine in, it. in it. Yep. Yeah, we would have to talk about that's that. That's on my I shelf. Re- I haven't read that that's in, with, uh, in ages. That's Barris Ophi, is Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting yeah. to read that after a whole Clone Wars arc. <laughs> right. True. Yikes. Slightly different take. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Page 89, Champ Syndulla's reference, which is just awesome. Um, but page 93, Hera Syndulla is mentioned. No mention of her fate, though. This is obviously after uh, a lot of the events of, of what we may be getting in the Alphabet Squadron um, series. Mm-hmm. So maybe we will see her fate in Alphabet Squadron, but I thought we were going to get it there, and we did not. But what we did get was page 129, a Pulsar Skate being mentioned. I also talked about this on Friends of the Force, but... That was the origin species for Booster Tarek's ship uh, in the X-Wing series. And Booster Tarek was one of the smugglers who worked with Cornhorn and the rest of Rogue Squadron. Cornhorn almost had a shout-out in this (laughs) book. You know what, though? We're not done with Cornhorn-adjacent references. Because a mere 11 pages later we get corsec officers who were out looking for monty when he was in the bar 
And uh, Corsec is short for the Corellian Security Force. It's the main law enforcement on Corellia and one of the most well-known Corsec members in all of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Who was it? Andrew Bell, uh, one of our team members, was talking about that earlier because he's a cop and was like, "I like I like Corsac because they're cops and they're kind of cool." Yeah, and I gotta admit, I do like Corsac too. The whole comp, the whole like concept of Corsac is pretty cool. Corsac is awesome. Yeah, I love it. But we're not done with the corn. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) Get the shit out of here. Because Wedge Antilles oh. is in this book, and who did he train? Cornhorn! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should make this a game. How many Cornhorn references can we wedge into every single book? All right. Let's see if we can run through these last ones. Page 148, Finn calls himself Rebel, Rebel Scum. That's a reference to uh, The Last Jedi, obviously. Um Page 163, the list of wanted individuals that's encrypted. Uh, there's a quote that says the list broke off after several encrypted names with the last location listed as Castellan. Now, that did not mean much to me, except that now it does because Brad Whipple, again, from Friends of the Force, told us that uh, that's where the Colossus was from Star Wars Resistance yep. that held all of the aces. I am not a Resistance watcher personally, but that's a great great reference yeah i forgot about that and i need to watch the i watched the first season i didn't love the first season but i'm gonna watch the second season because it's star wars and just put it in my veins but other than that (laughs) you've got that sweet sweet disney plus now so that's right it's way easier to watch than the first season was yeah um page 178 on bracca there is a maw which is the ibdis maw so we see another maw just like in the kessel run and you can see that maw Again, in Jedi Fallen Order, I think we talked about that last week when we did part one. Mm-hmm. Um, page 181, we get a reference to Sabine breaking Wedge out of Sky Strike Academy, oh, yeah. as seen in Rebels. That was Sabine! great. Yeah. One of the coolest references, I think, in this entire book. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really hoping that was going to be in there, too. I, I figured they might do, do something about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we have uh, mention of an ex-Imperial Warlord in Tizanaz, which is straight out of Legends, like Warlord Zinge from the X-Wing series and what have you. So that was a great callback. Page 214, Colo Clawfish were being served at the auction. Now, that is one of the creatures that tries to eat Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Jar Jar during their underwater voyage on Naboo. Oh, my God. And it's like the third reference to Colo Clawfish that we've gotten this year in canon. Yeah, because isn't that also what Dryden Voss was eating uh, in Solo? It it may have been, yeah, now that you mention it. Is it just really good fish? Must be. Maybe it's like a delicacy, (laughs) like, like snow crab legs or something. Maybe there's like a maybe there's like a Star Wars TV show that's like um what's a like Galaxy's Deadliest Catch or something like that. <laughs> uh, or they're just out on this giant ship and like the colo clawfish. Yeah. Yeah. P- people hunting thing like uh what's the thing that they have in, in the Force Awakens? What are they called? Rathars. Rathars, yeah, hunting things like yeah. that. <laughs> Oh my god! That's Disney Plus in thirty-five years when they're like, "All right, I don't know what do we got—a hunting show, sure." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great! Um, All right, on page two thirty-two, Yama reveals that she has an eidetic memory, and now this may be a stretch, but that was very specific wording with the eidetic memory, which is something that we often saw 
uh, in Legends when talking about Winter. That's right. Y'all remember oh, the character Winter? Winter? Right. Yeah. I love Winter. Winter is like a, Winter was she's a great awesome. character. Um, do, yeah. do you have any notes about kind of the character? Uh, no, not in front of me, but I mean, I can riff a little bit. I mean, she was, uh, th- her claim to fame was having an eidetic memory. So that's how she helped the resistance. I don't know when her first appearance was. Um, do you guys recall when she, uh, I have, who, I have ma- no who created the was character? Was it the heir to the Empire area or was it after that? Was it after the Thrawn trilogy? Maybe. It- I think it was after that. Know, yeah. she was, but she I could Leia's be wrong. Aid, it's been a while. Right? She was like, Le- wasn't that her whole thing? Yeah, she was Leia's aide. The most recent, uh, and I, you guys will appreciate this too, is was in um, uh, what was the what was the the heist book that we first started? Scoundrels. With? Scoundrels. Scoundrels. Yeah, she's referenced yep, very right. heavily she was in, in, in Scoundrels. Scoundrels. So I almost wonder if she is in the Thrawn trilogy because that was also written by Timothy Zahn, and Might it was be. that's true. It's kind of his style to write his own characters frequently. So he does like yeah. the things he makes. That's right. It's good. That's all I'll say about that. But she, uh, she plays a big part um, in some of the X-wing series stuff as well. Yeah, nice. um, she ends up being a major love interest for uh, for Tycho. Corn Oh, right. I believe. If I no, not, <laughs> not She Corn. has like a not this time. She has like a sort of special op sort of vibe because her memory is so intense that she can remember codes and all kinds of crazy oh, stuff. So she does a lot of really cool stuff. If you were a love interest with someone with an eidetic memory, that'd be terrible. Because it's like, <laughs> what if you like hook up with them and oh. it's bad once? Like they'll never forget that. It's like, <laughs> just do, always do, on do their you remember mind. the third time that we did it? That was bad. That was bad. It was <laughs> been thirty years, Winter. Yeah, but yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, before we go entirely off the rails here, Bring uh, it back. there there are two more that I want to get to. Page two thirty nine. Uh, we get Shriv. Who one of the greatest uh, characters in this book? Right but he says, "What?" In the... Yes. So he he uh, utters the line, "What in the depths of Mustafar?" <laughs> and that's just amazing. Yeah, that was great. Yep. Because yep. Mustafar and is the closest planet to hell that has to exist. To hell, exactly. Although Han Solo, exactly. Do, hell does exist in Star Wars in some that's capacity. Right. You're right. He does say, "I'll see that's you." Because right. Han Solo will see you there. Hey, didn't uh, <laughs> didn't somebody say hell in the Mandalorian recently? I, I think, think so. they did. I think they did. Um, I forget, they may have, I, forget yeah. what it, I forget what it was, but somebody did, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's like, what the hell or yeah. something? No, I think, oh, was it this episode? Was, did Cara Dune say it? I think she did. Maybe? I, I think hmm. Cara Dune might I say I don't it. remember that. Anyway, have to check. go back and listen. Watch it again. I need to watch it again, so yeah. I'll watch it for a second time. So Absolutely. Yeah. All right, and the last one, page 267, Wedge says, Are you Ransom Casterfo? Who responds, I was once, but no one has called me by that name in a very long time. And that's got to be a reference to Obi Wan from A New Hope, oh, yeah. right? Now that's a or name maybe it's just they're using the same one. Long, long time. <laughs> Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi. All right, guys. Of course I know so, him. It's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> don't you host a? Do you know a guy who hosts a Star Wars podcast? Of course, of course I, know I know him. It's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know oh, someone man. who is letting a bit go on a little too long? Well, of course I know him. Nope, nope. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's finish this up. We got to get out of here. Good All right, night. Kids. Um, let's finish this up. Let's go back around. Rate the book one to 10 as we always do. And uh, give me any final thoughts you have. If you change your rating from where we started, tell me why. If not, still tell me why. 
All right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my nine point five. I mean, I I I freaking love this book. It's tremendous. I think the only reason I don't get it to a ten is just because I think at the end I wanted just a little more. I mean, it's a little short. That's all I got, really. Is I mean, I love the characters. Yeah. I love the plotting. I love the writing. I I love the whole thing. Um, just to get a perfect ten, I I think that this still does need episode nine at the end of it. So it's not necessarily a complete chunk. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But man, I had to reach hard for that critique. And to reiterate, my favorite favorite stuff in this book was the stuff with Wedge, Nora, and Snap. Um, yeah. Again. Snap, I said this on, on Brad's podcast as well, my most gut-wrenching moment was at the end when Snap calls Wedge dad, and it is one of the most beautiful things I've read in Star Wars, and if, you've, if you're a fan of the Aftermath trilogy as I am, you have spent three books watching Snap grow, reading Wedge's stuff, seeing Nora grow, and finally at the end of this, getting to the point where Snap is calling Wedge dad because he realizes everything he's done for him, it just... It was beautiful. My favorite moment of the book. Yeah. I I will also keep my 9.5. Thanks what I gave it. And I totally stick with that. This is, I don't know if it will make it into my top five canon books, but like it actually might be there, but I think it probably is one of the highest quality canon books that's been written so far. And like, it's been universally uh, acclaimed by the community. Everybody's really liked it. They did such crazy stuff with the main characters in this in this book like it's a total must read before you watch the film and this is what expanding universe is all about it expands on the films and that's what we're doing here yeah and it was really, really good so i loved it i highly recommend it i think this will be in in some of my top books that i recommend people read if they're like hey what star wars books are you i've never read one like i'll be like all right check out utini and we have these foundational books but also if you just want the main characters from the sequel trilogy check out resistance reborn i think that's going to be a common recommendation yeah, this is definitely going to be one of those, Corey, you're so right, of, I love the sequel trilogy, the movies are over, what do I do? Boom. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think y'all nailed it. I have nothing to add, but I will say that I'm going to stick with my nine. So I will uh, continue to be the person lowballing this this book, but it's a great sign that a nine is the lowest that we gave it. So... Uh, that will wrap it for my part of this episode and part two of the Resistance Reborn Roundtable. Uh, may the force be with you, be the light, and most importantly, take care, Space Babies. Oh, there it is. Space Babies are canon. Love it. Um, so looking ahead, our lovely listeners and lovely viewers, next couple weeks we have, we're going to talk about a little bit of Force Collector coming down the pipe. We are going to talk about our favorite books throughout the year. We're going to talk about Everything you need to know before Rise of Skywalker. And man, before you know it, that beautiful movie is coming. And we are going to talk about it. Now, if you are watching this show and you have not heard our episodes of Bounty Hunt yet, that is one of our Patreon-exclusive shows where we've been talking about every episode of The Mandalorian. Four episodes in so far. Four more to go. Definitely check that out. And we also periodically have some episodes of Legends Look Back that are coming. But with all that, my friends, that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're new, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week to hear us at Utini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Please leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us or head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. Speaking of which, 
Keep your eyes peeled next year for Queen's Peril and Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising, as well as a bunch of comics and reference books, all the details over at utini.com. If you're looking to buy some of those books and want to help support the show, look up your book on Utini, click the Amazon link on the profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on patreon.com slash utini or on TeePublic, where our first wave of t-shirt designs are now live. Uh, we've seen a bunch of pictures of those. If you have your Utini merch, throw that stuff on Twitter or in our Discord. Join us on Patreon for exclusive content every single month. For $2, you can join our Jedi Initiate level, where you get early access to episodes of this very show. Or for $5 a month, you'll become a Guardian of the Wills, where you'll receive those extra shows I mentioned, including Legends Look Back and Bounty Hunt. If you are an Inquisitor tier or up, head over to Patreon right now. Join us for Aftermath, our exclusive after-show hangout. A special thank you to Adam Dyson and Patrick Ortiz of our Jedi High Council for your amazing support of this show. If you want your thoughts on this show, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com, tweet at us at livingforcepod, or join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. You can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson, Corey's at DocStarWarsMD, Charles is at C. Hankel. A special thank you, as always, to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our producer, and Wes, our community manager. Thank you to Corey and Charles for podcasting with me. Thank you to everyone in the chat for following along. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.